Welcome to Engaging Culture, a podcast presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. I am Brian Kiley, and today on the podcast, Pastor Lance Hahn and I will be beginning a three, will be beginning, how about that, a three-part series entitled, What Does It Mean to Be Pro-Life? In this episode, we will be discussing guns, gun violence, and gun control. Following the tragic events in Parkland, Florida, issues of gun control are in the news, and opinions on the subject seem to be as polarized as ever. What are some ways that Christians can think about guns? Is it possible to cut through the polarization and actually take sensible, substantive action? How can we speak honestly about this issue with people who disagree with us? All that and more on this episode of Engaging Culture. All right. Well, hello and welcome to season one, episode 21 of the Engaging Culture podcast. As mentioned, I'm Brian Kiley. Glad to have you with us. As always, I am joined by Pastor Lance Hahn. Lance, how are you? Good. Hi, Pastor Brian. How are you? I am doing well. I'm fighting a bit of a cold, which... Yeah. Now, is that because you have a low immune system or you're a father? Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> Actually, I have a pretty good immune system, I think. So I think it's more the second one. Yes. So if I say anything today that doesn't make sense, we're just going to blame it on that. That's so, fantastic. I don't think I'm medicated enough to make that argument, but that's anyway, true. It is. Uh, you know, is, sometimes I don't think you're medicated enough in general. So there, yeah, there you, know, you go. You, you, they're probably. I, I don't. You may be the first one to say it, but you're probably not the first one to think it. <laughs> that's so, right. So there we go. All right. Well, uh, hey, we're beginning a three-part series today that you and I have been talking about for a long time, looking at this question of what does it mean to be pro-life? Uh, can you just uh, talk a little bit, and I'll, I, I can kind of fill in a little bit as well, talk a little bit about what are the issues we're going to be looking at over the course of this three-part series? Yeah, I think that uh, when we all think of pro-life, uh, something pops up about pro-choice, pro-life, yeah. Planned Parenthood, abortion, things like that. That it, it tends to be seen in that little tiny bubble, but actually it 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 bleeds into so many other issues. So, for example, what does it mean to be pro-life in terms of uh, is there self-defense or is there pacifism? What about the death penalty? What about euthanasia? What about, of course, the standard abortion, stuff like that? But what about war and military police action, things like that? Mm -hmm. So we're going to kind of dive in and try to break it into a three-part series so that we can give appropriate attention to each of the issues. Now, I think we're both very clear on the fact that we could spend hours and hours and hours on one subject. Absolutely. So I hope that the listeners and viewers are are very clear that we're trying to jam in um, weeks and weeks and weeks of material into one simple hour. So if you go, man, they didn't even say this. We know. Right. <laughs> yes. There is. It's funny. Even even this started out as an idea for one episode, and then we said, hey, let's make it three. And even now, sitting here at three, and even looking at all of the stuff I want us to talk about today. I know. It's absurd. It, it is absurd. It is absurd. But but I really hope that it is, it's helpful. And, and I want to my, – my hope is, is that we can expand – our definition of this term pro-life a little bit, and, and we'll get into this in a second, um, that, that that you and I don't necessarily agree on all these issues, and right. that's part of what we want to talk about as well. But um, I I think that sort of the, the safe one to talk about in Christian circles is abortion, because I just have not talked to a lot of Christians that are like, yeah, I'm, I'm totally good with being pro-choice. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying they don't exist. They do. But yes. people I know personally, you don't tend to see that perspective a lot. So, so, so there is... As close to kind of universal agreement as you can get on just about any issue on that, and I myself am very much against abortion. And, and anyway, we'll, we'll get we'll into, get that, into that one. Um, but 
I've always said, and people may not like this, but I've always said that uh, calling yourself pro-life because you're against abortion is calling your, is like calling yourself a vegetarian because you don't eat chicken. Like, right. okay, that's part of it. <laughs> right. But there's more to it than that. So Yeah, there's um, more to it. And, and I think it is, it is by definition, well, here I am. I'm saying by definition, a difficult term to define. That so we all kind funny. of have our own, our own interpretations of it. And but you and, and we'll I, into that. you and I, I think, um, are experts in understanding nuance, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, nothing's cut and dry to either one of us. Uh, this whole business right. about you're either pro or anti and throw everything into the same category. It's just, right. we're just not those guys. Yeah. Give me your hard and fast opinion on this complicated issue in 15 seconds. It's, uh. it's ridiculous. <laughs> in, a, in a recent sermon, I actually said the phrase, you're all going to look at me and say, Pastor Lance, you're splitting hairs. And that's exactly what I'm doing yeah. because I believe the answer is in the tiny pl- space between the split hairs. Yeah. So I, I'm a guy that lives in the gray. I'm a guy that, and you are too, right. that we understand nuance. And even as we debate today, right, you're about to give us kind of some ground rules about what we're trying to accomplish. Right. But even today, there's a lot of nuances that it depends on what you mean by that. It depends right. on how you're seeing it. But we're still going to disagree. Right. And, I, and I think, so can you set up for a little bit on when people hear us disagree, what are they supposed to hear? Yeah, they're supposed to freak out that their pastors aren't friends anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's really the number one thing. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah, no, I mean, I, th- I think that um, part of the reason we want to uh, do these episodes is to present some different perspectives and to to model something that I actually think you do a great job of in your preaching that that I've tried to emulate a little bit is uh, a lot of times when there are challenging subjects yes uh, you will present multiple interpretations now sometimes you'll say and here's what I think yep uh, sometimes you won't and it's funny I've listened to you on a few occasions knowing exactly what you think yep. on an issue and seen you present multiple sides I'm like dang that like, I, I don't feel like I would know what you thought if I didn't already know kind of <laughs> Thank thing. Thank you very much. Like, I think that's pretty awesome. Um, so, so we want to present different perspectives because when it comes to issues that are not salvation issues, issues right. that are not the gospel right. and everything else, whether we're talking guns, which we will today, whether we're talking war, whether we're talking health care, whether we're talking all of these issues, mm-hmm. I think that there is a real danger in saying to those who don't know Christ, this is what all Christians think on this issue. It's simply not true. It's simply not true. Uh, so, so for us to be able to present some different perspectives is important. And then also for, for us to present that, that if we're going to talk about, okay, gun control, kind of scale of zero to 100, where are you, that, that you're not a zero and I'm not an 100. Nope. Because so much of what we see in the media and yes. so much of, sadly, what a lot of people share online and whatnot is sort of zero and 100 kind of kind of thinking. Well, anyone that's not a zero or a hundred is scared to get into the mix. Right. So yeah. they usually are silent and then it's the extreme voices that are heard. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you something interesting. I was at a conference recently and one of the speakers who's nationally known, written a bunch of books, like really rad guy. He, he actually said that he's been asked to come on these different sort of talking head inflammatory news programs before to talk about different issues. And they've once they've called him and said, okay, wh- what is your view on this issue? They've said, okay, we can't use you because you're too thought out and uh, sincere in what you're saying. And like, it's basically you're not inflammatory enough. So this isn't going to work. For that us. actually happened to me. Yeah. Oh, did we it? Ha- I had um, some guys that knew some other uh, people here and they got in to have an interview with me and they wanted to do a documentary. Uh-huh. And they said, we're going to throw out 10 issues and we want you to answer them in 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. 
like boom, 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 <laughs> boom. And they were trying to catch me in something. And when uh-huh. we got done, they go, you're boring. <laughs> they said, you're not inflammatory. You're too thought out. And they cut me completely out of the program. Yeah. So that's, uh, that, I mean, obviously is unfortunate, but, but I think that, uh, you know, something that you and I've talked about before is that our, our culture is so divided and there's so much division. And, and I just, I'm always blown away at how quickly people abandon relationships, how yes. quickly people threaten to leave a church, yes. how quickly people do different things because they don't think the same as other people. Right. So, so what you and I are, are hopefully going to model today as we, and in these different episodes where there'll be various areas of agreement and disagreement is just to say, actually, you know what? You can disagree and not just about what color the carpet should be. Like this is an issue that really matters a lot. I think to both of us, Yes. you can disagree and still be friends, still be in the same church. We don't sit around and debate about guns all the time. In no. fact, this is, I think we've had like one conversation about this before this. And now, you know, here we are having this conversation publicly. So. Well, and I don't tolerate you. Right. You are important to I me. I am intolerable. I understand. <laughs> well, I, yes, I got that from your wife. Um, that, <laughs> that I don't just tolerate you. I think sometimes we think that, well, if someone disagrees with me on all these issues, I'm going to be a kind Christian to tolerate them. <laughs> I don't tolerate you. We disagree on some things, but you are close to me. You're important right. to me. And I consistently integrate my life into yours with disagreement pieces. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so one more and thing. And same to you. One more thing, if you could clarify for us sure. and our listeners and everything else. Um, you and I have been very loud and vocal that we are not interested in promoting political lines. And this is one of those issues that gets tagged on that if you say you are pro-gun control, Mm -hmm. you're labeled a liberal. Right. If I say that I am pro-gun ownership, I'm labeled a Republican. Mm Mm-hmm. And everyone jumps into their corners. Yep. Can you give us some ground rules and what we maybe need to be thinking about? Yeah, it's just important for, for all of you that are listening to recognize that, that Lance and I simply do not view the world that way. That uh, you might be conservative, you might be liberal. I mean, in this area, it's mostly conservative, which we love you wherever you are on the perspective. But you got to understand that, what, that, that we are sort of against the whole project of we view the world as liberal or conservative, or that if you're not a conservative, that means you're a liberal or vice versa. And, and one of the real challenges, and I think one, something that prevents progress in, in, in a lot of these conversations is conservatives and liberals both essentially use terms for the other side as slurs. Yes. Like, oh, oh, hey, liberals, you all believe X, Y, and Z. Well, my challenge to that would be, okay, like I believe X, Y, and Z. I'm not a liberal. I'm a pastor. Right. How about substitute, hey, pastor. Yes. Like all of a sudden there's some tension there. So for a yeah, lot of our listeners, and I get like, and just the fact of the matter is it's, it's the air you breathe. You listen to conservative stuff. You listen to liberal stuff. You see the world in those colors and you got to just recognize you might see the world that way, but we simply do not. So it's inappropriate to sit here and label Lance or I as defending a side. Now we're defending ideas and we're yeah. defending values and we're trying our best to be honest and fair, but we're not defending a side and we're not interested in being labeled in political camps. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is super critical. That is one of the greatest uh, unnecessary dividing places. I think sometimes um, not being able to have full fellowship, it becomes a reality. 
but I think there's so the vast majority really needs to just be worked through. Yeah. And, and we got to be cool with that. So Indeed. yeah, anyway. All right. Well, so with all of that being said, hey, yeah, pretty good. In. We worked through all of our disclaimers in about 15 <laughs> minutes. That's pretty yes, good for Pastor us. Pastor Brian and I are king of disclaimers Indeed before we, we say anything. So um, so we're talking guns today. Uh, let's start a little bit by, uh, Lance, share a little bit of your background with firearms and kind of the role that they play in your life or have played in your life in the past. Yeah. So um, I come from a family, um, my, neither my brother, my dad, or myself would be considered the traditional macho guys, right? Uh-huh. So um, my my brother's a, an attorney, um, a prosecuting attorney um, in a criminal division, okay? So mm-hmm. he's, he's completely around crime and things like that. Um, but he's a businessman. He's a very wise man, a very um, articulate man. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad was in education. He um, is the one where I got my communication skills from, a lot of my humor from. Uh, so very white collar. Um, and we never did like the traditional sports and all that stuff. Yet, mm-hmm. all three of us have a similar view on gun ownership. Uh-huh. And we all own guns. Mm-hmm. And so that was something that I knew about. It was not a lot in our house because my parents were divorced. So my dad had a gun, but there was no guns in my house growing up. Okay. When I became old enough, I realized also my brother owned a gun and that I then ended up owning guns. So mm-hmm. I am not only a gun owner, but I took it a step further. And this is a part where um, I, I'm only bringing it out for the sake of debate and I can give people some clarity mm-hmm. because this actually kind of violates the unspoken rule, right? So I am what's called um, a concealed weapons carrier. So it's called a, a CCW, mm-hmm. okay? And what that means is I have gone through a process by which I can carry a gun on my person um, wherever I go in certain states. Now, my primary state is California, so that does not automatically give me a right to carry in another state. Mm -hmm. There are certain things. And in going through that process, uh, one of the rules is that no one can know you're carrying a weapon. Mm -hmm. So, for example, you can't have um, any visible, like let's say you had on a tight shirt and someone could see it on the back of you from your holster. Mm -hmm. That actually is a violation. You're not allowed to have any what's called printing where they can see the outline. Uh Uh-huh. Because it's not a bullying tactic. Mm -hmm. You're not allowed to let anyone else know you have it. So the idea that I would go, hey, I'm a CCW guy, ruins the whole (laughs) point of it being concealed, right? (laughs) Okay. Um, But the purpose of me saying that is that I had to go through an extensive process by which to have that. I didn't know if you wanted me to get into that or not, but what's your background yeah. in, in Yeah, guns? no, I think it's really important to, to get into that. We'll maybe do that here, here in a little bit. Uh, I don't have a, a strong background with guns. They were not... Uh, a part of my childhood. I do actually, I found out like way later, I think my dad did own a gun, but we were, uh, my parents were pretty strict about like guns just weren't really a part of our household. Like we didn't even do pretend guns. That was not a thing. We weren't really allowed to watch violent TV or I think we got to like play street fighter as a video game, but then my dad took it away cause we started trying the moves on each other. I don't know, but, um, just guns and, uh, kind of anything to do with violence was just not a big part of my my upbringing. Um, I've never been very interested in guns. I um, I've fired a gun on a few different occasions, and uh, it just doesn't do anything for me. I'm not interested. I don't own a gun. I can't imagine I would ever own a gun. Um, I am not, and we'll get into this. I'm not against 
sane people owning guns. I'm not against uh, going to ranges and shooting. I would liken it to going to the opera. If that's your thing, go for it. Have a great time. Just don't invite me because I'm not interested, <laughs> right? Um, but uh, I and as I've paid attention to different debates about about guns and, and all of that, I, I view that as very important to this conversation of, of what does it mean to be pro-life. And I think a lot of people will be challenged by some of what I share today and maybe they won't like it. That, that's all right. Um, but I hope to bring some nuance to the conversation and, and I'm comfortable just saying, Hey, I'm, I'm not a gun person. I'm not interested. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're cool. I don't like see somebody firing a gun and I'm like, wow, that's so manly and tough and awesome. Like I just, right. Doesn't do anything for me. So (laughs) that's, um, I appreciate that. That's my background. Um, talk a little bit. Let's actually, well, no, we'll get into CCW stuff in a minute because I do think that's important. Mm -hmm. Why is gun control such a polarizing issue today, do you think? Um, to me, it's as simple as we are obsessed with rights. Hmm. Um, we have been raised in society, primarily here in America, with the idea of the value of the individual, the autonomy of uh, a person. And anything that restricts our movement feels like an infringement on what should be natural to us. So we talk about uh, the Bill of Rights in the the very core of our history sure. here in America. We, we, we talk about you have a whole listing of I have the right to <laughs> pursue happiness. I have the right. You know, yeah. everything we have is about the empowerment of me, me, me. I get to do anything I want. Yeah. So whenever you're going to get into any situation that says you shouldn't or you cannot there's going to be a polarizing issue, okay? It's, why is Christianity polarizing? Because it involves restriction mm-hmm. in people's minds. Now, yeah. we see it as salvation. Other people see it as restriction. Yeah. Anytime there's rules or regulations, uh, when the school start, in California started mandating um, common core mm-hmm. math, polarizing. Why? Yeah. You have to teach your kids like this. Um, when they started arguing prayer in schools, out of schools, you pulled a right away or you. So I think that is, in essence, going to start it on mm-hmm. a bad place. Right. Of, mm-hmm. of polarizing. Yeah. So why? I mean, on some level, sort of part of living in a civilized society is sacrificing some of your rights for the good of, for the good of the whole. Now, there are various uh, kind of political ideologies that would challenge that notion a little right. bit. But for the most part, mm-hmm. living in a society, heck, living in a household <laughs> oh, requ- yeah. requires the surrendering of some rights for the collective good of the, of the whole. Heck, having a job requires that. So much of what is just commonplace in our world. I mean, we all have to g- agree on, okay, we're going to, we're going to agree that these pa- pieces of paper are worth money. We're going to agree that we're going to abide by these different laws and that we're going to appoint individuals, police officers and such who have the right to restrain us if we fail to abide by them. Some level of restriction for the common good is necessary. And yet we're obsessed with our rights. I mean, that yes. to me feels like it creates a clash. And I feel like it creates a clash on this issue of guns and gun ownership. I don't want to say more than anywhere else, but it seems like it's heightened. Oh, in it's this super. Area. Yeah, no, it's super heavy. Um, the other thing is that to some degree, I think what makes it a passionate issue is there are elements of fear. Hmm. So it's one thing if you just go, man, I love cheesecake. 
and you're like, I hate cheesecake, which, by the way, I'm not a big cheesecake fan, just saying. Oh, we'll debate that on a later can, episode. Yeah, <laughs> but if we get into this, there's no fear. Yeah. Okay, if I, let's say, have in my heart a distrust for the government, mm-hmm. and the government is going to tell me I can't defend myself, mm-hmm. fear is now involved. Yeah. If you, who would say, I don't like guns and people having access to be able to kill other people, uh-huh. and I say, I want more people to have them, there is a fear that that is going to be used improperly. So fear is in the mix. Not only is it polarizing, it has its core in fear. And fear automatically raises passions and everyone digs in their heels and they start freaking out, right? So, But you're absolutely right. I think that any modern society, there's agreements and allowances of you're going to remove my freedoms. I don't get to drive through a red light. Because if we're going to have cars, we have to stop sometimes. Mm -hmm. Now, I understand you don't want to stop. And I understand that sometimes you have to stop at a red light and no one's around. (laughs) And that is so maddening, right? right? Because you're like, this is stupid. But you have to play along with the game if we're all going to use cars. So right. just getting back to what you were saying. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, th- there are a couple of issues here that I think are important that contribute to the to the polarization. Um, number one is there is a difference between legitimate fear and irrational fear. Sure. And, uh, you know, I I try really hard to be to be fair, but, you know, some of my bias might show through here i think that a lot of the a lot of the fear on the kind of we don't want any gun control at all part of the fear from the like you know we're going to boycott dick sporting goods crowd is in my opinion irrational because they're afraid of arguments that nobody except for maybe those on the very fringes nobody in elected office is making um, so much of what I see from my friends and acquaintances, people who I like, people who I hug when I see them on the weekends. So much of what I see from them online is they are arguing against their a arguing against points nobody is making. Like that is not like this whole idea of the government wants to come take guns away from law-abiding citizens. I've asked so many people, give me a quote of a actual elected official with a name from a legit news source of somebody making that argument. No one's ever done it because. As far as I know, they don't exist. Um, now, if someone wants to prove me wrong, be Kylie at BridgewayChristian.org, and I will re- <laughs> I will retract that statement. Um, so there's a lot of irrational fear, uh, and there's there's that, and because of that, there's a lot of dishonesty. I think. Um, now, For I sure. think that on on the side of we need some gun control measures, there can obviously be dishonesty there as well. But I think that where there's fear. We need to look at, okay, is this fear rational? Uh, You look at things like we were talking about this uh, beforehand. Um, I've seen several arguments in the last couple days about, oh, you know, we have all these liberals. I mean, I didn't watch the Oscars, not because I... I don't like the political commentary. I'm not a movie guy, so I didn't care. I watched. uh, You probably watched because you love movies. Yeah. we don't like being lectured by these liberals who are all Mm -hmm. there, you know, surrounded by armed security. It's like... Who, like that has a serious public platform, is arguing against armed security? Now, we could argue about the extent and where is it appropriate and all that, but nobody is saying, hey, you know what we need to get rid of? The armed security that is protecting us from bad guys. Like nobody is making that argument. I'm certainly not. So anyway, that's just an example of I think we get hung up on these kind of extreme viewpoints, arguing against 
arguments no one's actually making. Um, so that brings up something that I, I think that doesn't get uh, discussed in a lot of public circles. I think people have more hot buttons to fire about. But here's a nuance to it. I think there is a bigger picture, and this is something that caused me to to pause, um, the bigger picture of people telling other people what to do. Um, you and I are, in our minds, relatively young, okay? Now, <laughs> I'm older than you, and in the world's eyes, I'm not a young person anymore, right? Mm-hmm. I'm 46 years old. So, um, But you and I, especially you, have grown up in a world that has seatbelts. Mm-hmm. It has bike helmets. Yeah. So you have had tons of rules on you since day one, and you're comfortable walking in rules. Yeah. You're used to that. Well, there's a whole generation that did not have them. Hmm. And they made the decision if they wanted to have seatbelts on. Uh-huh. They made a decision whether their kids wear helmets or not. And what has happened is they had a traditional lifestyle that new people came in and for whether they agreed with the reason or not, started imposing more and more and more and more restrictions. Mm -hmm. That idea that the liberals are causing more and more restriction to where they're dictating everything about my life. That reaction, um, you don't get as agitated by it because you didn't have that freedom. There are some older folks that were going, whoa, whoa, whoa. As long as I've been alive, all we do is add restriction, 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 restriction. If I want to ultimately not have a seatbelt on in my car, mm-hmm. I'm going to be able to have that option. You may say, well, you can only drive and turn right at some point. That fear of constant restriction tightening down mm-hmm. is what a lot of people are responding off of. The reason why I said it gave me cause to pause is that I am okay with restriction. Mm-hmm. For in my personality, in my understanding of society, in my age group, I'm actually okay. And I understand the whole idea of going, oh, you give up stuff to get stuff. Right. But not everyone's made like me. Mm-hmm. And to other people, they're not cool with it. Right. In their world, they're like, you know what? I don't think it's okay. If I want to go live and do my own thing. I don't need people to babysit me and constantly tell me everything I need to do. And right. to some degree, there's validity to that argument. Why are we suddenly saying we all get to decide what you do, how you do it with your kids, what you're going to do? Where did that come from? Like we're all on the shoulders of people way later. Mm-hmm. This is not how it was in the West when it, when we were expanding that was uh-huh. not how the idea of being able to go into a territory and do squatters rights right we don't live in that world mm-hmm. but does that mean that our world now is better mm-hmm. than that world i don't know well uh i think the answer to that is clearly yes our world is 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 better in a thousand different ways now that better comes at a cost, Absolutely. right? If I go to the grocery store, my house is more equipped to provide food for my family, but I have less money, right? Like there's a cost benefit there. Um, we live longer, way fewer people are flying through windshields. Uh, there are, I mean, uh, violence is trending downward in virtually every measurable category, despite the epidemic of gun violence in the United States. Um, so these restrictions are, are statistically, if we're going to look at this rationally, are unquestionably improving quality of life. They're unquestionably extending uh, lifespans. They're unquestionably reducing uh, mortality due to accidents and things of that nature. Now, does that mean that any restriction is good all the time? Of course not. 
But uh, I think, and this is a common argument by people who think like me, um, but I see, I see people share things online like, um, oh, you know, there are more people that die in, um, you know, car accidents right. than by gun death. So we need to, we need to get rid of all cars. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's meant to be this sort of tongue in cheek thing. It's like, yeah. well, actually <laughs> cars are a perfect example of what I think a lot of people like me are actually proposing. Cause you know what you have to do if you have, if you want to drive a car, you got to get a license, you got to get a license. You got to pass a test. Mm-hmm. You, you want to know what happens if I decide I'm going to go out and I'm going to drink too much and then I'm going to drive. I don't get to drive anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what happens if I get into an accident, even trying my best? If I get yes. into an accident, there are serious consequences for that. I could be liable for damages. Uh, my insurance rates go up and all of this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, if I behave myself, mm-hmm. like I do not, the fact that there are many things I could do that would not allow me to drive a car anymore as a law abiding driver, I'm good with all of those things because I'm a law abiding driver. Right. Right. Totally. Uh, so if anything, and, and there are fewer car accidents today. Cars are safer than they've ever been. Um, it's still a problem. Let's go with the driverless cars, Google. It's still a problem, but it's way less of a problem than it used to be. And law-abiding citizens have to go through some extra things. you got to wait in line in the DMV, all this other stuff. But for the most part, my ability to come to and fro, drive where I want to in a car is relatively uh, unbothered by restriction. That more or less and we could nuance this a lot, more or less, is a sensible way to go about handling guns in our society, in my opinion. Yeah, so you turned a corner, but i got to back up real quick, and then I'm going to make a couple points, and then we'll jump into that. Okay. Uh, first thing is, um, now remember, I already told you, I'm comfortable with restriction. Mm-hmm. I'm comfortable with the cost. Okay. What I think is important is to understand that that, that doesn't make it right. So, for example, you said the answer is absolutely yes, quality of life. I think there's a great disagreement with that. I, I don't think that the fact that everyone's stressed out and freaked out in our modern day society is not better than when we used to go around and hunt bison and gather up stuff. I don't think quality of life is better. So I think even though I'm cool with the cost of all this management, 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 mm-hmm. there are some people that don't view that. And I can't say that just because I'm good with it, everyone has to be good with it. You know what I mean? There is a different perspective uh-huh. to say, stop telling me everything to do. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Okay. There is a valid argument of that. For I, dis- quality I disagree of life. with you on the quality yeah. of life thing, but I'm with you on that there's other perspectives on how we view regulations. Totally. So, okay. So ahead. the other part that um, I, I want to talk about is that uh, the oddity of, of guns. So the yeah. car analogy, yeah. right? So um, cars kill people, knives kill people, yep. everything kills people. Yep. As a matter of fact, um, so I'm a crime guy right so i study crime as in my true crime you know just i don't know if that's a hobby i don't know what it is it's an interest it's creepy but anyway that's most all serial killers that kill massive amounts of people none of them use guns they use whatever's in the house the idea is they're going they're killing large amounts of people with no guns the gun was not the piece right? right so now here's the thing so having said that uh, killing, by the way, killing's always been a part of history. Guns are new. Right. I mean, if we're going to talk about history, they're new. Right. Um, so guns are not suddenly, oh my gosh, there's bad people in the world because there's guns. No, there's bad people in the world and they're going to use whatever they have. One of them happens to be guns. Now, here's the part that I do concede is that guns by manufacturing design mm-hmm. were not designed primarily for entertainment. Now, I'm going to get into why 
I have guns, mm-hmm. and it's for entertainment purposes, mostly. Not all, but mostly. But guns, their primary manufacturing design is to put a hole in something. Uh-huh. If that is not a target, and they were not originally for target shooting, right. if that is not a target, it's a living being. Mm-hmm. The point, So the point of a car is multi-use. Yeah. The point of a car is to get from here to there. If something goes wrong, it kills someone. Mm-hmm. The point is not to kill someone. Right. Guns are much more limited to having only a few reasons for being, and their primary manufacturing was for killing. Right. That actually is their point. Mm-hmm. So to say, man, I wish you know we had a lot more guns, you have to say, well, then we need a whole societal change towards its only entertainment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, having said that, let me bounce back once again. This is me arguing with me. Okay. Um, guns do have an entertainment value. One of the primary mm-hmm. reasons I ever owned guns in the first place, I have three guns. Mm-hmm. The reason why is target shooting. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love it. Uh-huh. Now, People go, well, that's not really what guns are. Well, we have Airsoft is a huge, massive industry of Airsoft guns. They don't shoot people, but it's entertainment. Same thing with paintballing. Mm -hmm. They don't kill people, but they love the entertainment. It's a shooting a projectile, even at people, right? That's what Airsoft and all that stuff is about. All of that is an entertainment. And yes, you can use entertainment wrongly. You can use a slingshot wrongly. You know what I'm saying? So... I have guns for, I would say, 80% entertainment, 20% self-defense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I understand that even though you have BB guns and pellet guns that can't kill somebody, and we, you know, little shooting, I mean, for kids and all mm-hmm. that stuff, they're not there for killing people. That's not what they're designed for. Mm-hmm. They can't kill somebody. And, and would you say, just to just for a sake of clarification, yeah. from an entertainment standpoint, yes. there is something about firing live ammo that is just more exciting than firing, say, a BB gun or an airsoft gun? Um, yeah. Um, yes, absolutely. I think that um, blowing stuff up is fun. Uh-huh. Um, so like, for example, if we allowed dynamite to be, <laughs> you know, so for example, you can buy some stuff in Nevada and what it is is you is it's orange and you put it on objects uh-huh. so that when you shoot the target it explodes uh-huh. now it's illegal in california <laughs> okay but the idea of blowing up stuff has always been yeah. a thing yeah. people love blowing up stuff right and it's whether it's firecrackers people put them under a can and poof, it blows up or fireworks for 4th of july we like blowing stuff up so yes the bigger uh-huh. the more interesting yeah. for sure but um, I remember growing up and a friend of mine had a BB gun and we would go down by the lake and we would shoot trees and we would shoot. And it was just fun. The idea that you could knock something off way over there from over here. Right. That was fun. Yeah. No, I, I see. And I'm the weirdo who's not built that way. Like I've just never found explosions to be all that interesting. Right. Like, okay, cool. Whatever. Like I'm not anti, I'm just sure. not into it. Um, but I want to be clear that, uh, that I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You like going to the tar- the gun range and shooting. Yes. I like hiking. Right? Absolutely. I, think I do we, not like I think hiking. We both sort of feel the same way about each other's interests. Like, yes. good for you, man, but don't invite me. Like, and and I, as a guy who's not a gun person, I have no interest mm-hmm. in restricting your right to go do that any more than like you would say we need to restrict your right to go hiking. Like, right. it's silly. And and I think that a lot of a lot of getting back to the fear piece. 
comes to people saying, well, there's a lot of these sort of anti-gun zealots out there who want to take away my right to go have fun at the shooting range. And I, I, again, I'm open to correction on this if I'm missing something, Mm -hmm. but I just don't see that. Well, let me, let me put in something because some people are going to in their heart immediately say you're wrong, but let me correct them real quick. (laughs) Okay. Uh, y'all, whoever's, whether it's ladies or men, whoever's watching this, that gut feeling you have, I would probably guess 95% of you is because of the slippery slope argument. Uh-huh. Um, you're going to go, but, and, and what you're about to say next is speculation. If we do this, it's going to keep going down that road. If we restrict this, everything's going to be restricted. Yeah. Please be careful on going down that road. If we're not talking about that issue, we're not talking about that issue. We're not talking about restricting everything. Be careful of the slippery slope argument automatically getting you defensive. So anyway, just right. wanted to put a disclaimer. No, that's a, I think that's a, that's a great point. And uh, anyway, the, the slippery slope argument to me is always sort of funny. I think we kind of employ it conveniently. Oh it's, yeah, it's, it's one of a thousand techniques that we all have to avoid actually thinking about these issues. Is just like slippery slope. Like as if that just ends the conversation right there. Right. But I just, I don't know that that's, um, I don't know that that's helpful. So um, when it comes to gun violence, yes. obviously nobody <laughs> is in favor of gun violence, no. right? Nobody's like, you know what? That's we need more thing. violence in our, in yeah. our society. But obviously the debate, whether it's honest or disingenuous or whatever, the debate itself is about what do we do about it? Yes. Right. So in your view, mm-hmm. What are the most important issues we need to pay attention to when it comes to reducing gun violence? Yeah. Uh, so I am, once again, I'm not a liberty for all. I, I'm very pro uh, legislation and restriction and things like that. That's actually, I think, responsibility is very, very important. So when you talk about gun violence, you have two different ways to handle it. One is to try to reduce bad guys with guns. Mm -hmm. The other side of it is to give good guys guns, Mm -hmm. right? So those are really, because gun violence is going to happen. Once again, um, so when I was growing up in the 80s, you get to miss this section. Um, what were those, Lance? Yes, I know. <laughs> I was so alive in the 80s. Go I used on. to read. Uh, well, yeah, you probably weren't reading what I was reading. <laughs> probably. So not. I would read books about um, gangs. Back then, there was a thing called zip guns. Do, okay. do you ever hear these? Okay. It rings so, a bell, but I don't know. So that was the cool, like, back when they used to fight and rumble uh-huh. with chains, you're like, ew, what <laughs> What a horribly brutal way to just beat people up is with chains. That sounds awful. Okay, so they would have what was called zip guns, and zip guns are homemade guns. So you couldn't buy one. You made it yourself. And so any homemade manufactured gun... Is a, it's technically a zip gun. That's a okay. that's kind of so a little a, slang a term, term yeah. but it used to be a big thing within there. So what was my whole point in even bringing up zip guns? I don't know. Why are you talking about zip? I, what are the issues we need to pay attention to? That was the initial question. Yeah, how did, yeah, all right, and somebody knows where guns. I was going. I got off on zip <laughs> guns. Um, anyway, the idea is saying, how do we get them out? Well, let's say the bad guys make their own. What are the good guys going to do? Right? Okay. So... The idea is you either have to have protection or removal of danger. Those are okay. really your two sides on gun violence. Do you see it another way? Protection or removal from danger? Uh, yeah, no, more or less. I think that's, yeah, because those two categories. Yeah, somehow, some way, a bad thing's going to happen, so we either remove the bad from happening right. or we protect against it once it starts. 
Yes, agree. So, I, so I think that when we sim- when we simplify it down, gun violence, you're looking at that now. I, what I think is awesome, and uh, hopefully we're all getting on the same page of everyone wants that gun violence against the innocent to go away. Right. Everyone now, one person's coming in from the removal of the danger element. Uh-huh. The other one is coming in from the protection against the danger element. Okay. Okay. We both have the same goal in mind. We come at it from polar opposite directions. Right. Okay. And so before we automatically get angry at each other, uh-huh. not you and I, but just in, in, general. in debates, yeah. can we please agree that we're all trying to get to a same area? No one that is human, in my opinion, um, had any good feelings about what just occurred in Parkland, Florida. Right. What occurred at that school where a student was able to get a hold of weapons, adjust them, and shoot other students, our whole nation mourned identically. Right. Now, what's the solution? That's Mm -hmm. where everyone starts fighting. Right. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I think there is, if if there's any agreement at all, it's clarity of, okay, nobody's arguing that, hey, we need to have more shootings. We need to have more of this bad stuff happening. I mean, obviously we disagree somewhat on, on how to go about that, but I think that it's important to recognize that it's, it's multifaceted and to address one side of this issue is not to negate the other. So for example, um, mental illness is a big deal. And, and I'm concerned about some legislation that's come down the pipe loosening uh, some restrictions on, uh, on, on mentally ill individuals having access to handguns and, or ha- having access to guns in general. And I think that's a problem. We need to be very careful about men- mental illness, both in the treatment of mental illness and in having an effective database to keep mentally ill individuals from owning guns. I think that... Um, Part of what kind of frustrates me about some of the language that's used in the debate is is to take kind of a step back from what I just said is we talk about like the problem's got to be one or the other. It's either, either like a social thing or a legislative thing. And, and I think that, that that just doesn't work. Like I've seen, again, a lot of stuff online saying, you know, hey, gun laws aren't going to work. You need to be nicer to the people at your school. I mean, I'm simplifying uh, sure. the argument. But that's it. Like, yeah, like let's be nicer to everybody. But you know what? <laughs> Like let's make let's do let's move heaven and earth to make make sure, for example, that no kids slip through the cracks. Let's move heaven and earth to make sure our workplaces are healthy and that people feel supported. But but let's make it really hard if somebody does slip through the cracks. Let's make it really hard for that person to get a firearm, especially a weapon of war, to then commit an act of violence. Um, So I think we need to pay attention to mental health. I think we need to pay attention to how do we keep guns out of the hands of of um, how do we keep guns out of the hands of bad guys? I mean, another thing we is people say all the time, uh, gun control laws won't work because criminals don't obey laws. Then why do we have laws at all? Like that literally hasn't stopped us anywhere else. So we need to pay attention to mental health. We need to pay attention to um, who has access to handguns and how do we keep them out of the out of the hands of bad guys? We need to pay attention to uh, what guns are out there in circulation. To me, the issue of who has guns is way more important than what guns they have. But I think that's also a question. And then this might sound surprising, given given my perspective on all of this. I do think we need to have some conversations about armed security. Um, I think that arming teachers is a outrageously, ridiculously bad idea for a variety of reasons that. Yeah, I'd rather us talk about other stuff, so we won't get into that. But um, I think it's great, for example, that we have armed security here. 
Yes. Uh, at Bridgeway. I think the guys that are uh, protecting us, I am grateful that they are here and I recognize they are a necessity. I like the fact that when I take my kid to a Kings game, we walk through a metal yep. detector and there are people with guns there ready in case a bad guy shows up. I yes. like the fact that armed security is there. I, I think what does that look like in schools and things like that is a little bit more complicated. But I, I think there is a place for that conversation in all of this. Um, and so I think that... Um, I'll give one pushback piece and then we got to jump right into it, which is how do we work with this? Um, but here's my one pushback. Um, uh, once again, it comes from fear. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that is when people, when you just said, we need to be careful about mental illness, you need to remember I have mental illness. Mm -hmm. And so you got to be careful because the idea is if they know what they're talking about and they're working with mental illness, Awesome. Yes. But the broad stroke categorical mental illness, it, it's it's kind of like when we label all felons the same, and yet there's some felons that are that are violent, and there's some felons that were white collar, and there's some felons, but you end up labeling them all the same and say all of them have the same restrictions. Yeah. You go, that's silly. That's not good because it causes a unnecessary backlash. So I have mental illness yeah. because I have a panic disorder but I'm actually in that category. Yeah, and I wholeheartedly agree with you. I think that we have to be uh, we have to be nuanced about uh, all of this. Yes. Um, to 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 quote myself in some ideas we were exchanging prior to the show is uh, people that say say gun control doesn't work. I say no, stupid gun control doesn't work. Yes. Um, I think that the idea of say for example broad stroking anybody with any sort of mental health diagnosis. I think, frankly, first of all, most of us would have some sort of diagnosis if we looked into it. Oh, yeah. But the idea that, yeah, we would whitewash everybody or brush it, 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 no. completely agree. That, that yeah. would be 100% wrong. It, we have to be smart about all this stuff, which we could split hairs forever on that. But. Right. So let's jump into the heart of it. Yeah. I think that the very heart of this podcast is what do we do? Okay. Yeah. So you have said already that you are pro-wise uh, gun control. Mm -hmm. Now, this is where you and I agree. Now we're going to start disagreeing on some other pieces, yeah. which I think is important. And there are some things that you said, I go, no, I, I really disagree with you. And mm -hmm. there's things that I'm going to say, you're going to say, I really disagree with you. Yep. I think that's very important to note, mm -hmm. but um, we are actually both pro gun control um, or gun policy uh -huh. or wise stewardship, right? Mm -hmm. So whatever word we want to use, I think that where the difference comes is what's the restriction and how, right? So, for example, um, I want to get into the CCW piece. Yeah, that'd be okay. Great. So, um, in order to get my CCW, uh, the concealed weapons permit, I had to go through a very extensive process. So, the first thing that you have to do, in um, and then I'll uh, I'll also wrap that up at the end. I almost could not get it. Mm. So, I wanted to get it for two reasons. Number one, I want, and this is not the reason for it, but so I get it. If they're listening, they're like, oh, you're a moron. Okay. I wanted to get it because I wanted to at all times not have to worry about being illegal, transporting a weapon to the gun range. Okay. Now you can, you can put it in your trunk and it has to be locked. And there's a bunch of different rules to transport a gun out of your home. Uh -huh. There are so many different rules on that. I found that laborious. Uh -huh. And so I was like, well, I'd love to have it with me. And then I can stop by on the way home from work and use my... Now, you can do that. It was just a lot of extra work. So to clarify, with your CCW, you're just able to keep your weapon on your person, on your person. in a less 
laborious manner for that's, transport. That's it. Okay. That's it. So cool. I so first of all, it was ease of use. Yeah. Okay. The second reason and the more important reason was I wanted the option to carry if I felt danger. Okay. For my family. So I have only since I've had my CCW for years now, I have only carried it twice. Okay. I literally did not carry it on my person. Um, now, I wanted the option to carry if there was danger. So you've had it with you on many occasions, but only for the purpose of self-protection only twice. Yes. Okay. Uh, I've actually only had it on me. Yes. You're absolutely right. Any other time, it's just been going it to the range. It was going to the whatever. range. Yeah. Okay. So um, having said all that, in order to go through that process, I almost couldn't get it because it all depends on who's in office. So in California... Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm in Sacramento County, mm-hmm. and it depends on who was in office. So most of my life, I was told, don't even bother. You're never going to get one. Hmm. That's what I was told. There was a change in leadership a number of years back, mm-hmm. and they said, this is your only option. This is okay. your only time frame. You're always going to get denied. Now's the time because we have different leadership. So I went and I got it because I wanted to be able to protect my family. That idea of going, I can't get the right to protect my family, depending on who's in office, was frustrating for me. Mm-hmm. And real quick, what kind of what kind of weapon are we talking about here? We're talking about um, handguns, okay, nine millimeter or smaller handgun. Well, you can do a forty-four or sure. that type of thing, but it's a handgun. Okay, I think that's, that's the only type of weapons that I own. Got it. I'm not a hunter. That's a whole other discussion, mm-hmm. which is very important. Yep. I don't do rifles, mm-hmm. and I, there's no such thing as assault weapons anywhere near my home. Okay, so. <laughs> We'll, we'll talk about that in a moment, but I have handguns. Yeah. So in order to do that, you have to submit an application and go through this whole process where I had to go into the sheriff's department and have a sit down face to face interview where they went over all my material. They looked at me. They analyzed me upside down the other. I also had to then go through training. Mm-hmm. I had to go through a whole class. Now, in these classes... I kid you not, they put the fear of God into you. <laughs> it is like, if you ever use this, you will go to jail. You will be, I mean, it's, they're scaring the living daylights out of you. Like, don't you ever uh-huh. pull a weapon out on anyone else in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're so heavy on responsibility, responsibility, responsibility. Yeah. All the people I've interacted with through that process are like the most responsible people ever. Uh-huh. Um, now, uh, do they all have NRA stickers on their car? Some of them do, <laughs> sure. But the point is, these people are the best of the bad. They're just the, the sweetheart people going, listen, I live in a neighborhood and it's not, not safe. Uh-huh. I need this. Mm-hmm. I need to carry this in my purse back mm-hmm. and forth from work. All right. I had to go through all of that screening, background check. I had to go through. And then every two years, I have to go back and do the class again. Mm-hmm. A refresher class. Don't you ever pull this weapon. Don't you, <laughs> you know, right? And you're testing it to make sure you're not going, oh, I'm just randomly shooting at someone, but I don't know how to shoot my weapon. And now I just shot the kid behind the guy. Right. So the amount of restriction on me to have the ability to carry a weapon, uh-huh. I felt was entirely appropriate. Mm-hmm. Where you and I agree, and just because of prior dialogue, yeah. is that we both find it unusual that you can, in Nevada, there's no waiting period. You can buy a gun and walk out of the store. Mm-hmm. That is super trippy. Yeah. 
in California, you have a waiting period, mm. you, even just for ownership, right? Yeah. Remember, I did a CCW. That's different. Right. If I just buy a weapon and keep it at home for home protection, I can just buy one. Now, California is a little tighter than Nevada, but literally, right. if you, for whatever reason, you can take that home. Now, here's the problem. The fact that people have guns but have not gone through that training, mm -hmm. that's only for me to carry it. I don't know of any, and somebody's going to go, oh, I know, right? Okay, <laughs> I get it. You can save your emails. You're right. I know of no, none of these school shooting scenarios where the school shooter was a CCW. Right. They were just literally had access to guns. Yeah. But there was no responsible training demanded. And mm -hmm. to me, that is absolutely bizarre. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. And and that's where um exactly what you're describing uh, it is it is so refreshing to me frankly to hear you as a, a gun person CCW and all that who had to go through all of the inconvenience now the I, I sort of share your frustration with the issues of like it depends on who's in office I like I agree with you on all that it's refreshing to hear you say you know I had to go through all of this stuff and I find it appropriate and now here you are you're a CCW and that's great and um and I, I think your perspective on that is wonderful. And and the thing is, is, people like you who have been through, what is it I read online? It was 16 hours. I don't know. The 16-hour yeah, training class remember. or whatever, yeah. whatever it is. I have no issue with people like that owning weapons who are having to submit to extensive background check, who are having to be evaluated in some different manners. Those sorts of individuals, I have no issue with them owning guns. I believe that people like you should be allowed to buy guns and should be allowed to own guns. It should be very difficult. Mm -hmm. I have no interest in imposing my lack of desire to own guns on you. Right. However, I want our society, our government, you know, whatever, to go through the process of making sure you are uh, Who, yes. mentally stable, Absolutely. that you are responsible, that you know how to use a gun, you know how to properly store a gun, you are, are educated in gun safety. I think that is what's important. And it's interesting. I mean, you look at other countries. Um, I mean, there was an article in the New York Times about the process for buying a gun in 15 different countries. Now, even I'll admit one or two of them, I'm like, wow, that's pretty intense. <laughs> but, <Right. laughs> but in a lot of them, I'm just like, this just makes sense. We're talking about mental health evaluations. We're talking about extensive background checks. We're talking about uh, waiting periods and all of this. And these are places that have uh, rates of gun violence dramatically lower than ours. So um, all of that to say, yeah. I would like to see more gun owners have to go through something close to what you're describing. Right. And I think that if that happened, A, we'd have a lot fewer shootings. Yep. B, everyone who is scared about, oh my gosh, the government's coming for my guns would realize, actually, that's not true. And as long as I behave myself, my rights are relatively uninfringed, except for a few hours every couple of years to sit and be told not to fire my weapon haphazardly. Yeah. I think people would find that was the case and, and we'd have a lot less violence, in my opinion. I any pushback on that? No, no, no. I think we're in complete agreement on that. I absolutely believe that there should be regulations. I think that some of the pushback is that not everybody trusts the process. So, for example, uh -huh. some people are going, listen, the only reason you write speeding tickets is to get revenue. The only reason that you have me go through this process with my gun is you, I have to pay you a bunch of money to own a gun every year. Mm -hmm. Like, Because I have to pay fees yeah. every two years just to have 
the CCW and they're just making money off it. So I think some people are going, listen, the process is not really weeding out anybody. Mm-hmm. It's just and and the other thing that I think that is really hard for people is regulations hit good guys more than bad guys. Uh, because the good guys are the ones going through the process the most, mm-hmm. right? So for me, trying to do everything right, dude, I'm paying a huge amount of money on fines and all that stuff. Well, not fines, excuse me, um, permits. Re- registration fees. Yeah. And so any ratcheting up is making the good guys pay more and do more. Mm-hmm. Because the bad guys are finding shortcuts. Yeah. So I think that all the good guys, and this is what I hope that comes out of this, at least from people that are on my side of this argument, mm-hmm. that you would go, guys, if you're a good guy, we want good guys to do the right thing. We want to control the bad guys. Mm-hmm. I think everybody's in agreement on that. Yeah. We want to control the bad guys, regardless of where you stand. So how do we get the guns out of improper hands. Right. That's got to be a thing. Yeah. And I don't see why anyone would want to argue against that. Mm-hmm. You understand what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and just to say, is is legislation going to solve the problem? No, it's a part of the not. puzzle, though. It's a part of the puzzle. I mean, we still have people that speed on the freeway, but yes. we also still have speed limits. Yes. Just because it doesn't work 100% of the time doesn't mean we it's don't. Ineffective. Yeah, and and there are there are so many different issues. I mean, I haven't like I haven't studied the Chicago case super closely to be able to comment on on it in a detailed manner, but I know that part of the issue with Chicago because people always point to Chicago and say, "Hey, look at all that gun violence," even though they have tough gun laws. Well. From what I understand, guns are being smuggled in from Indiana that has extremely loose gun laws. So like, okay, there, like, there's an issue there to address that maybe the issue is not, hey, let's really crack down more on Chicago. Maybe the issue is we need to invest some time and energy to figure out how are these guns getting here from Indiana and maybe try to, you know, turn off that faucet. So well, okay, yes. Okay, so yes and no. I think it's a bit unrealistic because we <clears throat> do not have walls around you know illinois true so i mean we're so moving around all the places this is what's so bizarre about being in the united states of america uh-huh. is it depends on how long you drive your car you're suddenly in a whole new register i mean whole new restriction area yeah literally it's totally different in nevada we're not that far from nevada all my a bunch of my family lives in Nevada. Yeah. You can make it there in less than what, 2 hours? Right. All of a sudden you're in Nevada. Nobody is there's no wall there. There's no right. checkpoint there. We're not a checkpoint place, but we have different regulations for different places. Yeah. My CCW only applies to certain states and not other states. Well, how do you know when I cross into that state? You have no idea. In that same way, here's an additional issue is people are like, we got to regulate, you know, it all works in England, you know, in England, they have tough gun control laws and they don't have any big gun violence. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, hold on. You're an island. Mm -hmm. People have to fly in to your location or go through a boat. We have in effect a gateway to shut stuff off from coming into our country. You're not a manufacturer of guns. Mm -hmm. We have manufacturers in America making guns, and we border Mexico and Canada. And we're a huge territory. Mm -hmm. So the idea that it's as easy to restrict and legislate and do all these things and control the gateways of where guns are coming in from Mm -hmm. is not as easy as England. Uh, no, I, yeah, I would agree with that. And, and I think that, that any any responsible person in this debate is recognizing that 
Uh, there are a variety of factors in different places that make laws more or less effective. And uh, just, be, but I would also say, just because something is very effective in one place doesn't, and it's less effective somewhere else, doesn't mean it's not worth pursuing. Absolutely. Um, okay, we've already hit our hour, and we try to. We try to make these episodes about an hour long, but we're going to go a few minutes longer today because there's a few other important issues we need to uh, we need to address. So the big issue or the big uh, argument that I hear all the time is it's not a gun issue; it's a heart issue. Yep. Sometimes people even post uh, you know about uh, various uh, rudimentary weapons like rocks and mm-hmm. such being used for violence uh, in the Bible. Um, Lance, what would you uh, do? You agree with that, uh, or how would you either agree or push back on that argument? Well, I think I think I, I said most of my stuff a little earlier. I, I am one of those people. I do think that it is a hard issue. People find ways to kill people. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think if you remove guns, I mean, the whole it, it's completely absurd to think that the removal of guns removes violence mm-hmm. because guns are so new. Mm-hmm. We have. Thousands and thousands and thousands of years of history to prove that is not true. Mm-hmm. We have had we've had massive killings. We've had genocides prior to the you know the arrival of the gun. So first of all, no, I don't think that's the case. Here's the thing that I do agree with that I mentioned earlier: guns are very unique in the fact that what are they built for? Mm-hmm. And you go, okay, that's different. That it's not a multi-use, you know, other than entertainment. And shooting people <laughs> like, right. you know what I'm saying? Like there's there's very few. I do think the entertainment industry is really um, is a good argument because that's what I, I, I use it for primarily. Mm-hmm. But but anyway, what about you? Tell me your thoughts because yeah. I already shared mine. Uh, it, it is it is clearly uh, a hard issue, and I agree with you mm-hmm. that it is it is naive to think that if you take away guns, that all the violence in society goes away because we are violent towards one another. Yes, uh, because of our our hearts. That yeah. is clearly the no case. No question. Uh, however, yes. I would argue that. Uh, that is not a reason to not have sensible uh, sensible gun regu- regulations. Part of the reason why we need to have gun regulations is because we have wicked hearts. Yes. And, gun, and guns make killing much more efficient. Yeah. Well, you cannot own and throw grenades. Uh, right. Exactly. Because uh, you can kill easier. Yeah. I. You know. I am not. I don't have a rocket launcher. Nope. In my, we have decided as a society yes. that is not okay for private citizens, uh, private citizens to own. And uh, so I think that it's important to recognize. Yes, it's a heart issue. But again, the heart. The, the, the brokenness of our hearts, to, if anything, reinforces the idea that we need to be really careful that those who are, I mean, we're all broken in a bunch of different ways, but those who are particularly broken yes. and inclined towards violence are not able to access, uh, access firearms. Uh, also, we just need to be honest about the fact that, I, again, be Kylie at BridgewayChristian.org if you've got another a counterexample here. I've never heard anyone use that argument for anything else. Nobody says it's not an abortion issue, it's a heart issue. Nobody says that. I, not that I've heard. Like Nobody says it's not a driving fast issue, it's a heart issue. Nobody says it's not a theft issue, it's a heart issue. We have laws on the books to restrain evil. In fact, Romans 13 talks about that being a function of the government, is to restrain evil. And uh, because of the fact that our hearts are wicked, again, I mean, not to belabor the point, that's why uh, I think this stuff matters. Uh, One more element is that uh, I see a lot of stuff with people saying, well, we had guns a long time ago and there wasn't that much gun violence. It's not that the guns have changed. It's that society has changed. 
okay, I think there is some, that is yes and no, but let's just say for the sake of argument that yes, that is the case. That in fact, society has changed. Uh, the family is broken down. There's more violence and entertainment. There's more isolation. We're spending sure. more time on our screens. There's more depression, all this other stuff. Is that not like, yes, we need to address those issues, but is that not an argument <laughs> for, again, keeping guns out of the hands of people that are most affected by this stuff? To, to me, it, it, is, it is naive to think, oh, well, the answer is take away the guns. Like, that's just boom. That's the answer. No, the answer is let's address mental illness. The, the answer is let's turn off our screens and actually interact with humans. The answer is, hey, let's invest in uh, dads and moms and, and nuclear families and, and people caring for their kids and strengthening the family unit. Let's do all that. And you know what? Let's make sure it's really hard for bad guys to get guns. These things are not mutually exclusive. And I wish, I wish, I wish, because I get it. People like me have no credibility with gun owners. I wish... I wish so much that gun owners, especially Christian gun owners, would be the ones leading the way saying, guys and gals, if we're uh, if we are obeying the law, we have nothing to fear here, but we're the ones with credibility. We're the ones who can take on those who are, who are, uh, lying about what the government wants to do. We are the ones who can really make a difference to help keep guns out of the hands of bad people. I wish that more gun owners, especially Christian gun owners would do that. Yeah, no, I know. I hear you. I think that it is. Uh, okay. So I'm super pro saying those that have the influence and authority need to lead the charge. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I hope that I'm one of those guys. Mm -hmm. I am, I'm very pro guns. Now I will say this, let me say something. If we can take the guns out of the bad guy's hands, mm -hmm. I will willingly walk into the police department and set down my weapons. Mm -hmm. I'll give them to you. Now mm -hmm. guns are super expensive, by the way, <laughs> I will give you my, however many hundreds and thousands of dollars I have in guns. I'll give it up yeah. because the entertainment's not worth it for me. Uh, as I could find something else to do. Um, but if I don't have to protect my daughters and mm -hmm. stuff like that, and you can get the bad guys contained, mm -hmm. I'll hand over my weapon right now. Yeah. We can't. So I right. still want it. So I'm very, very pro gun in that regard. Uh -huh. And yet I believe very strongly in restriction. I, mm -hmm. uh, I believe very strongly in sifting. And so I want to be one of those guys that is talking about that on a reasonable level. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're right. You're going to end up accidentally saying things in those that are, you know, that would spur all kinds of chaos because everybody would be, you know, reacting off something they thought you said. Right. But if they trust me by saying, oh, you're actually for what I'm for, mm -hmm. they'll give me a little more of a break to listen to reasonable right. arguments. So anyway, I'm very much pro uh, uh, what policy. Pro policy to as, as it being part of the puzzle. Yes. To keep the guns out of the hands out of, 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 the bad guys. of people who shouldn't, uh, you people shouldn't, who have, shouldn't them. have them. How, how else, if at all, and we'll, we'll maybe wrap up with, uh, with this unless you've got anything else. I mean, how can, so you are a Christian gun owner. Yes. And presumably, um, people tend to listen to this podcast. They li listen to the episodes that apply to them, which, hey, like I'm like that with the podcast I listen to. Yep. So we're going to have a lot of Christian gun owners that listen to this yeah. episode. How can Christian gun owners contribute positively to our national conversation about guns? Um, right off the bat is calling for reasonable dialogue and discussion and shut down the, um, shut down the whole panic that comes from the slippery slope. I think that it's our job to come in and go, whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus never taught us to 
only be all about rights and only be about pushing our way and only be about dividing and only... That's not the way of Christ. Yeah. So first of all, if you're a Christian, you're a Christian before you're a gun owner. Mm-hmm. And so you better be a gun owner in the way that Christ would be a gun owner. Now, you and I can disagree whether or not Christ would own a gun. <laughs> but here's my point. We'll get into that at another point. Would Jesus own a gun? Yeah. Coming so up next. We have, well, we do. We have some talks about that, right? About life and death. And we'll yeah. talk about the death penalty and sure. things like that. But, but here's the thing, is we need to be the ones leading the conversation to be able to say, guys... What is appropriate according to Christian standards, and how should we conduct ourselves in debates? Hmm. That is super critical. The other thing is Jesus is very pro-responsibility, mm-hmm. not this willy-nilly do-whatever-you-want thing. Yeah. That's not the way of Christ. Yeah. So we have to lead and say, how do we protect those under our care? Because one of the reasons we like to have guns is we're protectors. Mm-hmm. We are justice people. We are shielders. Okay? If you want to do that, there's more than one way to do that. Mm-hmm. And part of it is defending. Part of it is removing the bad part in the first place. Mm-hmm. And that is going to happen through policy. Yep. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that is undeniably part of it. Well, this was fun. Yes. Uh, I got to add one more what piece. What else you got? Uh, the last thing yep. is, um, folks, uh, Brian and I are not anti-hunting. Oh, right. Um, So I just, it's really important because there's another big piece of how guns are used in our society that have to do with hunting. Now, you do not, I'm just going to be real clear. I'll just look at the camera. You do not hunt with an AR 15. (laughs) Just, I'm just letting you know right now. If you do, you're a jerk. You should probably stop doing that. Okay, stop doing that. Um, You also don't have automatic weaponry to take out the deer. Okay. Right. Unless a deer is currently carrying an automatic weapon of himself. Now, so the thing is, we are not anti. I do not hunt. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was raised on Disney. I think all animals <laughs> have families. I think that they all have names. So I'm not going to do that. But if you kill it, I will eat it. Okay. So I am not going to be a hypocrite and say just because the slaughterhouse does it behind closed doors that suddenly it's all magically came on my table. Uh-huh. Super clear on that. I understand about keeping down populations and all that stuff. Cool. Let's say I concede all that to you. But the idea of hunting rifles and things like that is in actually a different category Mm -hmm. than what is largely being used for these massive destructive methods of what happened in Las Vegas and things like that. So, So once again, not... I, you can hunt. Please don't tell me how you killed the baby deer. <laughs> I'll eat him, but please don't talk about it. Um, but anyway, we're not anti-hunting, and that does introduce guns into our society that can be used wrongly. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think that, uh, yeah, hunting is like going to the shooting range or the opera for me. I don't I don't want to do it. Not interested. But if that's your thing, by all means, go for it. I think it should be hard for you to get your weapons, just like it should be hard for anybody else. But if you go through the process, you ought to be able to do what you do. I don't think it's wrong. Um, it, it is what it is. So, uh, again, once again, I think that law-abiding uh, individuals who enjoy hunting have nothing to fear from certainly the sorts of ideas that I would get defi- get behind in terms of right. restriction and legislation. I think that's fair. So anyway, yeah, yeah, you know. I don't. And and uh, good guys. Uh, I'm assuming that we're sitting here talking to all good guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, good guys, uh, we do have to take hits because bad guys ruin it for the rest of us. 
Yeah. That's the bottom line. But that's, I mean, and that's it's true. It's in every part in, of society. In, in, in all yeah. Places, Thanks for so debating in such a respectful way, bro. Yeah, I appreciate hey, it. Uh, you too. This was fun. And man, I'm looking at my, my notes here. There is so much we didn't get to. But, the majority. Oh, well, that's kind of how it goes. Obviously, this is a complicated issue. Uh, thank you to all of you for, for listening today. We really appreciate it. We hope that uh, the conversation was uh, enlightening and thought-provoking for you. Uh, as always, want to encourage you to uh, just let this show uh, motivate you to uh, engage with people who disagree with you, to have thoughtful, intelligent, respectful, loving conversations about these sorts of complicated issues because we both think our society will be better if we do that. Thanks so much to our audio engineer, Lucian Hughes, our video director, Brennan Stewart. Great work as always. Gentlemen, thanks to you for listening. We'll see you in two weeks for the next episode of Engaging Culture. Thank you for listening to Engaging Culture, a podcast by Bridgeway Christian Church. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Music is used under the Creative Commons license and is provided by Dexter Britton.